tax manager Grant Thornton. Welcome to Tax Time, our monthly podcast covering the main tax developments in Ireland. Today, I'll be discussing the latest in tax, which includes the upcoming paying file deadlines, the Department of Finance's annual taxation report, and the latest in the COVID-19 schemes. I am joined by my colleague, Liam Nocton, Associate Director in our private client department with Grant Thornton. The end of August is significant for many of us. Children return to school, students return to university and college, the all Ireland hurling and football finals. But one thing that many of us tend to forget is that at the end of August marks the start of the busy tax compliance season for both taxpayers and practitioners. Companies with December 2020 accounting year end are due to file their corporation tax return and pay any associated tax liability on or before the 23rd of September. Return of third party information, for example, Form 46Gs, for December 2020, account year ends are due to be filed on or before the 30th of September 2020. Companies are also required to make a preliminary tax payment with respect to their December 2021 accounting year end on or before the 23rd of November 2021. And individuals who receive certain gifts and or inheritances in the period the 1st of September 2020 to the 31st of August 2021 are due to file their capital acquisitions tax return and pay any associated tax liability on or before the 31st of October. Individuals are required to file an income tax return, including capital gains, for the calendar year 2020, are due to file the return and pay any associated tax liability on or before the 31st of October. Individuals are also required to pay their preliminary tax for the calendar year 2021 on this date. Revenue released an e-brief on the 28th of April 2021, noting that the deadline for pay and file for income tax and capital acquisitions tax would be extended to the Wednesday the 17th of November 2021, where filed and any associated tax is paid on Ross. However, to avail of this extended deadline, the taxpayer must pay and file by the estate. Where only one action is completed, for example, either pay or file, the extension is not available. Individuals who have disposed of assets between the 1st of January 2021 to the 30th of November 2021 are required to pay capital gains tax via Ross on or before the 15th of December 2021. Any tax arising on disposals made in December 2021 are due to be paid via Ross on or before the 31st of January 2022. All disposals during 2021 should be reflected in individuals' income tax return for 2021. Trusts and estates are due to file their 2020 income tax return and pay any associated tax on or before the 31st of October 2021. Partnerships are required to file their 2020 income tax return on or before the 31st of October 2021. Revenue released a new share scheme return known as the Employer Share Awards Return or Form ESA with respect to certain share-based remuneration including restricted stock units, restricted shares, convertible shares, forfeitable shares, discounted shares and any other award with cash equivalent of shares. This new form will apply for the tax year 2020 and onwards with the 2020 return due to be filed on or before the 31st of August 2021. For subsequent years, the reporting dates of the form ESA will be due to be filed on or before the 31st of March following the relevant tax year, in line with other share reporting obligations, for example, KEEP1, RSS1 and ESS1. Minister for Finance Pascal Donoghue TD published the annual taxation report on the 10th of August, which looks back on the developments in taxation receipts and the impact of COVID-19 has had in the Exchequer. The minister noted that the report offers valuable insight into the performance of our tax receipts last year and the impact on public finances. The report notes that revenue fell by just 3.6% last year, which is compared to a fall of nearly one third during the global financial crisis. The report contains some interesting observations regarding the progressivity of our income tax system and the impact on tax receipts. As many of those who lost their job during COVID-19 were lower earners, there was only a minor impact on income tax receipts. The report notes that the progressivity of our income tax regime means that we are dependent on a relatively small cohort of income taxpayers for the bulk of our income tax receipts. The report also notes that the threat of future corporation tax receipts as a result of further global tax reforms, which would see some profits diverted to other jurisdictions. 
it is incredibly difficult to predict the impact of the proposed global changes on our future corporate tax receipts, not least because much of the important finer detail has yet to be agreed. While not noted in the report, it is also possible that corporate tax receipts might increase in the future. If, for example, we are obliged to increase our corporate tax rate to 15% and there is no significant outflow of FDI as a result. The expiration of certain intellectual property tax allowances could also see Ireland's corporate tax revenues increase in the future years. Overall, the trends we saw emerging towards the end of 2020 have continued into 2021, with income tax and VAT continuing to outperform and corporate tax receipts remaining strong. The Minister also noted that the COVID-19 pandemic and associated public health measures had a rel relatively muted impact on the overall taxation receipts, relative to the impact on the labour market, largely due to the resilience in income tax, which fell only 1% year on year. This is attributable to the progressivity of the income tax system and the sectoral nature of the COVID shock with the most affected sectors dominated by employees towards the lower end of wage scale and that were as a result largely outside the income tax net. Revenue issue guidelines in July regarding the new EWSS eligibility review form that is required to be submitted to revenue via ROS to ensure continued eligibility for the scheme. This form was made available in ROS from the 21st of July 2021 and the form was due to be submitted by the 30th of July with respect to the June 2021 month end EWSS eligibility review. This form is required to be submitted on the 15th of every month in order to ensure that employers can continue to qualify for EWSS. For example, the form must be submitted on ROS by the 15th of August 2021 with respect to the July month end EWSS eligibility review. Revenue have noted that there is an increase in the number of eligibility review form filings before the deadline. However, there are still considerable numbers of forms not filed with respect to June and July. It has been noted that revenue will continue to pay the EWSS subsidies in the short term. However, all payments will stop from the 1st of September where employers have not filed the June and July eligibility review forms. It is expected that revenue will write to as many employers as possible to remind them of their obligation to file eligibility review form to ensure that they remain entitled to the EWSS subsidy. For employers who have become ineligible for EWSS or who wish to stop claiming the subsidy, they should deregister for EWSS on Ross via the Managed Tax Registrations function. I am joined now by my colleague Liam Nocton, Associate Director with our Private Client Department of Grand Thornton, Hi Liam, thank you for joining me today to discuss the importance of pension planning, what to consider and why you should make your pension work for you. Liam, many people in Ireland have a mental block over pension funding. What are the key benefits and why is it important to plan early? Thanks David. Um, I suppose first of all, pensions are the most tax efficient method of saving and investing in Ireland. Many people hope to retire between the ages of 60 and 65, but with extended life expectancies, we may need to fund our lifestyles for 20 to 30 years or more into retirement. For those who live well past their life expectancy, they might actually need to fund their income in retirement for longer than they were working in the first place. The tax benefits are generous within pension structures in Ireland. The Irish system works off an exempt, exempt taxed basis. So what that means is that we receive tax relief and contributions paid into the pension. So that's typically at your marginal rate, up to 40%. All investment returns accumulate within the pension tax-free. We're then entitled to a tax-free lump sum on drawdown of our pensions, so that can be a percentage of the fund itself, or it can be based on your salary and service with an employer. Tax is then payable on any income received in post-retirement, so at the very end of the life cycle. That is determined by whether you're taking income from an annuity or an approved retirement fund. An annuity is a guaranteed income for life from typically a life insurance company, but I think it's important that people know that in an improved retirement fund situation where it's a fund that's giving you income in retirement, it's invested and all investment returns within the approved retirement fund also accumulate tax free. I think one thing that's very important even at the start is that pensions are just one piece of the puzzle when it comes to managing your long term wealth. If you're a higher net worth individual and you have different multiple income streams or you've got different investment assets that are um, accumulated in all different sources, 
it's important to make a plan that sets out what's the most efficient way to use your wealth over the long term. I think the only way to really do that is to sit down with a proper advisor and um, create a financial plan that's based on your cash flow, your expected asset values in the future, and to really understand how your money works. Because I think a lot of people, especially in the high net worth side, it's not a case of my pension funds, my income in retirement anymore. It becomes part of your tax planning. So they're really the key basics when it comes to pensions in Ireland, especially. Thanks, Liam. Yeah, that's that's very helpful, especially like you know, you know, we're going to need our pensions for much longer down the future than may have been the case 20, 30 years ago. So it is very important to kind of consider your pension early and also, as you said, for higher net worth individuals on other well planning pieces. Um, as we approach the income tax filing deadline for 2020, what should people be aware of from a financial planning perspective? I think uh, some people like to refer to the filing deadline as pension season because it tends to be the busiest time of the year when people are making lump sum contributions into their pension funds before they file their tax returns for the previous year. Uh, when you're filing your tax return for 2020, you have the opportunity to backdate pension contributions in respect of your income for the year. Um, the maximum contribution payable for which you can claim tax relief, it's done on an age-related basis. So for those who are 30 years of age or younger, you can actually contribute up to 15% of your income into a pension and get tax relief on it. Um, this increases on a stage basis up to 40% for those who are over 60 years of age. Um, however, there's an earning cap of 115,000 that applies. So for anyone whose income is over 115,000 in the year, that's your cap and your percentage basis for contributions. I think two other areas where people kind of forget about relief that they can get when they're filing their returns is that if anyone's paid premiums into income protection policies, you can actually claim tax relief on any premiums paid into uh, the policies themselves. But also there's pension term assurance, which sounds like a pension, but what it really is is life cover. It's a tax a tax efficient way of setting up life cover and any premiums you pay, you can claim tax relief on them also. That's very helpful, Liam, especially the fact that um, you can put pension payments in in 2021 for your 2020 income tax returns. So that's very helpful. And especially with those other products that you just mentioned. Um, not long after the income tax filing deadline, we have many company year ends approaching at 31 December. What are the key considerations for company directors when it comes to pension planning before the year end? Yeah, so I think a lot of people are always fixated on the age and the income basis for pension funding, um, just as we discussed there. But funding an occupational pension scheme from a company is subject to different rules um, rather than the personal limits. So typically companies have much more scope to fund pensions on behalf of key employees and directors. So the level of funding permitted via company contributions, it's based on a number of factors. Most importantly would be salary and service with an employer. So the higher the salary or the longer the service, the more you tend to be able to fund through the company um, and the pensions. So ordinary annual contributions paid to a company pension scheme are allowable for relief in the year of payment. But scope to fund for back service is also available where an employee's pension has not been fully funded up to revenue limits. Tax treatment on back funded contributions is determined by the size of the contribution. So any tax relief may need to be spread over two to five years, depending on the size of it. I think it's a really important consideration for companies when they come to year end or if they've got excess cash um, or large profits. It's one thing that people tend to look at at the last minute. And if you don't plan for it in advance, you might lose out the opportunity um, to facilitate such a payment. So I think it's one thing that needs to be looked at when you're looking towards year end, not when you get there. Definitely, it's a key consideration for shareholders and directors who are actively involved in the business and who are looking to fund their pension. It's it's a very, very useful mechanism. Liam, are there any areas which are often overlooked where individuals need to seek further advice regarding pension funding? Yeah, so there's typically four areas that stick out, especially when we get towards the end of the year um, and especially when we get towards the filing deadline. So the first one is for people with dual incomes. 
So it's important to identify the correct method of funding pensions for people with dual incomes. So if we take a key example of a medical consultant, they might have both public and private incomes. So where an individual has pensionable income as a member of an occupational pension scheme, they must contribute to the correct pension structure in respect of that income first. So if that income reaches the earnings limit of 115,000, they've then maximized their pension funding for the year. But if the pensionable income is less than 115,000 and they have additional earnings, say private earnings, they can then make additional contributions in respect of that income to a pension. But it's very important to distinguish what the income is in relation to and what structure it needs to go into first. The second area we tend to see people talk about it towards the end of the year really, even though it's more based on anniversary dates and birthdays, is that the standard fund threshold in Ireland is slightly misunderstood. So it's not a capped threshold. The threshold is currently 2 million, but there's no additional tax liability where an individual reaches a total fund of 2.15 million. When accessing funds over the threshold, individuals are liable to 40% excess tax on the amount over the threshold. However, many individuals think that they need to draw their funds as soon as they reach this threshold, but it's not a case of one size fits all. So there may be inheritance and estate planning benefits to leaving a portion of your funds alone for a period, but again, it's on a case by case basis. I'd probably urge everyone who's in this type of position to seek advice from a tax perspective rather than purely investment perspective, just to ensure that they understand all of their retirement options, especially if they're worried about what happens if anything happens to me. It can be a lot more tax efficient to leave your funds alone because they can be more tax efficient if they pass your family. Another point that's really important and it tends to be more across um, all periods of the year is that the normal retirement age on a pension scheme it's just an age that attaches to the structure as an indicative age, an indicative number. It does prompt people to retire their funds at a specified date, but if your funds aren't required for income purposes, then there may be no benefit to drawing them. So you may receive communication that says your normal retirement age is 60 or 65 in a pension. You are about to approach that age and then you think, right, I'll get my tax free lump sum and I'll do something else with the balance. If your funds are required for income purposes at the time, then that's fine because that's exactly what the fund is there for. But you're not obliged to draw your funds at a specified retirement date as it's just an indicative number. So for those invested in personal pensions or PRSAs, your normal retirement age may be 60 or 65, but you don't actually have to draw those funds until you're age 75. And again, it can be tax efficient to leave them alone. If you don't need the income from them and you're not near the threshold, well, the longer they're left alone, the more upside they have from investment growth, tax-free within the pension which in turn can increase your tax-free lump sum that you may be entitled to in the future. So you're not obliged to retire your pensions when you get your normal retirement age, unless it's 75 for a personal pension and a PRSA, or it could be age 70 for an occupational scheme or a personal retirement bond. I think the final one, and it kind of links into what people do at retirement, is that the stages of retirement have changed in recent years for people in Ireland. So now it's not just a case of you finish working and you retire and you never work again. A lot of people are retiring to something instead of just retiring from something. So their pensions, they don't necessarily take effect to say, I'm going to give myself an income from day one after I retire. So the main route of retirement over the last few years has been to take 25% of your lump sum, typically as a um, tax-free lump sum, up to 200,000 um, in your lifetime. Anything additional from lump sums up to half a million is then taxed at 20%. But what people would have done in the past is they would have taken a lump sum based on potentially their salary and service, and they would have bought an annuity, which is a guaranteed income for life. That's linked to interest rates. Interest rates now are historically low, so the annuity that people are able to buy from insurance companies isn't as attractive as it would have been in the past. 
So now once they take 25% of a lump sum, they invest the balance in approved retirement funds. An approved retirement fund is a post-retirement pension. and People always think I need to de-risk my pension from an investment perspective as I get towards retirement age. And that would have always happened in the past because when you were going to buy an annuity, you de-risk your funds, you'd invest in cash bonds before retirement, and then you'd purchase your annuity for the rest of your life. But now with approved retirement funds, they're invested, they've got a fund value, they will pass to your family in the event of anything happen, happening to you, um, but you do need to take a minimum income from them every year. So depending on your age, that could be four or five percent. Some people may need to take six percent a year if their approved retirement fund is over two million. But since the funds are invested and there's money being paid on an annual basis, if you were taking four or five or six percent out of your fund every year, you could be doing that for 20 or 30 or more years in retirement. So you need investment returns to try to give you returns that net against what's coming out. Because if you're at risk of taking too much out of your funds too early, you could get to the stage where 10, 15 years before um, you may pass, your income may run out from your pensions. So typically in Ireland, we thought we had to de-risk when we got to retirement, but people are taking too little risk now. So it's really important to take a long-term view when it comes to approved retirement funds. Yes, you've gone to retirement and you wanted to protect your lump sum, and it's fine to de-risk towards that. But when you're reinvesting for post-retirement, whether it's going to be for potentially 20, 25, 30 years, you need to look at it as a long-term investment. You're probably not going to have another investment that's as long-term as that in the future, so you can afford to take risk with it. So it's all about trying to protect yourself and protect your income in retirement, because nobody wants to get to age 80 or 85 and then their income reduces significantly. There's a lot of food for thought there, um, Liam, so thanks very much, especially around knowing your retirement age and knowing you, you don't need to retire your fund is, is hugely important. And then obviously on the risk element of your fund portfolio when you do reach retirement age. So um, that's that's very helpful. Thanks, Liam, for the insight into the importance of pension planning and understanding what your pension can do for you. That is it for today. Tune into tax, our Tax Time podcast next month, where we'll be discussing the latest tax issues that may affect your business. If you need more in the meantime, visit our website where you find many fact sheets and insights into the topics we discussed today. Thanks for listening.